Welcome to the End of Days Conference hosted by Rhema Family Church in February 2016. Our guest speaker is Reverend Joseph Morris. Praise the Lord. Good morning. Good to see everybody. Wow, sure good to be in church on Monday morning. That's righteous. All the students, I'm sure you've had a wonderful year so far. Isn't it wild that you make the commitment to hear the word and, and, and come be in position? And it strengthens you, it changes you. You can't stay the same hanging out with Jesus. Everything about him lifts you up. You know, people, you see people that you're around, they might be downtrodden. No, 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 no. You get around Jesus, he picks you up. He lifts you up. Hallelujah. He's the good you find in anybody. Any, any good you find in somebody, it's Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Mm. Hallelujah. The light that lights every man that comes into the earth. Hallelujah. Boy, I just love those songs. You know, I hear the Holy Ghost saying different things to me as I hear those songs uh, about a season of, uh, of change, uh, a season of dramatic change. Amen. Why aren't we blessed to be living right before God comes back to the planet? Adam's lease is just about up, isn't it? Hallelujah. Amen. Man, I love those songs. I'm excited this morning. We've got time to get into some uh, dispensation stuff for a little bit, and then I believe we'll get into maybe two sessions on the rapture, and uh, I'll have the photos of the Antichrist coming in pretty soon here. No, just kidding. Amen. Uh, you hear all these people say, well, who's the Antichrist? Don't worry. He can't be revealed till you leave. We'll get into that maybe second session or third session, that you're so powerful, you can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time, and the Bible calls you Christ pretty amazing isn't it isn't it amazing that, that you have to depart even before he can be revealed think of uh, um, I think of the second coming you know the Bible talks about in Isaiah the burden will be removed from off their shoulder we talk about that anointing scripture really it's the burden of the antichrist on the nation of Israel he'll be removed from off Israel's shoulder how will it be removed with the brightness of his coming <laughs> Thessalonians says the bright no negotiation <laughs> all Jesus has to do is show up and 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 Lucifer's obliterated now think about it he won't get that'll be the height of his power he won't get any more power than when he enters into a man and all Jesus has to do is show up the brightness of his coming obliterates him and he said you have this treasure in earthen vessels every room you walk into see you don't have a healing anointing on the inside of you you have a kingdom setting up anointing amen Oh, I think I ought to preach that a little bit. I sense a little bit of Elvis coming on me right there. No, I hear the Holy Ghost saying, you know, in days, every time there's a great transition, and you, you see from Malachi to Matthew, 400 years of silence. Malachi to Matthew, 400 years, no one saying a word. No one speaking for God. No, no voice for God. Before the first coming, very, very quiet. Then God raised up John the Baptist. Jesus said there hadn't been a greater prophet since him ever was or ever will be. He said, but <laughs> the least in the kingdom of God's got more anointing than John the Baptist. So you're more of a, you have more grace on you to be a voice than John was. Let that sink in for a second. I mean, when, when you, you think about, wow, what are we all called to do? Let, we're a, you're an awakening voice right before the coming of the Lord. Where there was 400 years of silence, look at what God's doing right now. You've got all this activity of the Holy Ghost, all this verbiage of heaven. Uh, I, I think about the different things that came to me. Uh, 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 Brother Hagen years ago prophesied right before the, I was in the meeting, and then like 86 or 87. He said, right before the coming of the Lord, you'll see people go to the other side and come back. 
Well, I thought translated. <laughs> well, all these people end up dying and getting back, and then they write books about it. Now, some of them are weird and strange, and I don't base, you know, you, you, every, you base everything on the Word, because some of these books you read, and you're like, oh, dear Jesus, you lost your mind. And they're all New Age or whatever. But if you, you, you base everything on the Word. But here, all the whole earth is filled with all these books of people that have died and come back. How the world's getting ready for a, a transition. You'll see a lot of preaching on heaven. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of thought patterns are so stupid about heaven. I think we'll get into that when we get into the millennium tomorrow. Just different things of how normal our life will be. Extraordinary, but normal. And God's trying to get us ready for that. I, I recall Sister Wilkerson uh, was an old prophetess in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Boy, she was a, a fiery lady. She'd go, Rashita, Kamaratai. Woo! And as a, I was 17 when I went to Raymond. I sat there looking at this lady going, wow, she's out there. But she began to prophesy. Brother Hagen would call her up because it just really pulled something out of Brother Hagen. And he'd call her up and she'd begin to prophesy and speak things. Uh, I remember her prophesying right before the coming of the Lord. There'd be wildfires all over America. And I thought, wildfires? I remember seven or eight years ago, I was in California driving on I-10. I just had landed at the Ontario airport, and I saw fire coming toward us. It came to the freeway, jumped the lanes, went to the middle median, caught the middle median on fire, and then went right over and jumped the other side and caught the other thing on fire. And not, there's not just wildfires in California. There's wildfires in Texas, wildfires in Colorado, wildfires in New Jersey. And, uh, and she said it would signify the sin burning in the hearts of man. And I, I Googled it, looked it all up, and they said, no, it's the most extreme wildfires ever in the last 10, 15 years. So you've got a lot of things getting set up. You've got Russia getting set up. You've got Crimea getting set up. You've got uh, Syria is a, a place right now to where you can visibly today go back and watch the news and watch different things that are happening that point to Jesus coming back. That's why we have an end times conference. And I heard the Holy Ghost say to me just a while ago, he said, watch, every dispensation change, you'll see such a, an increase of activity of angels without any fanfare whatsoever, without any weirdness. You know, uh, in, the, in the book of Acts, angels are mentioned without any weirdness. It all was to lead people to Jesus. Remember Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 10, angel appeared to Cornelius. What did he tell him? Go down to where, to where Joppa is so you can hear words to be saved. Angel appears to Philip. Everything was about getting the, the message out. God used some heavenly activities to accelerate some things to get things done in a shorter period of time. Jesus appeared to Ananias and told him to go lay hands on Paul. Uh, revelation, gifts of the Spirit, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, to activate. What happened because of that? The New Testament got written. <laughs> so you see, God did some things to help them. I'm saying that because, listen, very carefully before we get into the, the, the crux of end times, the, the end will finish like it started. Okay, what will it look like right before the coming of the Lord? Look at Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, and Acts 5, and Acts 6. You can relax and be, be grateful that he will always honor his word. So, so you say, well, what kind of climate do I want right for the coming of the Lord? You want book of Acts, Acts 2, Acts 3, Acts 4, Acts 5. Remember what did John Lake said? That angel appeared to, that, to him and said, he took him through the book of Acts. He said, this is Pentecost as God gave it. Contend for this. This and this alone will meet the need of the human heart. So we, we contend for finishing off this, this church age in, in, in the book of Acts style. That's why the Holy Ghost was talking to me about angels. Uh, you know, it's, it's weird how people get goofy. I used to preach on angels a lot. I have several messages on it. I was on Sid Ross' program twice. 
And, uh, uh, but the minute you start talking about angels, man, people come up to you after the service like this. You know, the, the, I mean, it just it brings out the weirdness. I mean, you just wouldn't believe it. I'm like, and there's more secular books about angels than there are Christian books. But I'm saying this because we're, I'm, I'm going to preach on dispensations here in just a minute. You're at the end of this dispensation. This dispensation will finish exactly like it started. The plan of God always goes full circle. So you say, well, what will it look like? Look at Acts 2, look at Acts 3, look at Acts 4, look at Acts 5. Outpourings of the Holy Ghost and normal people yielding to God. Not necessarily, we, the whole thought of this last days is not necessarily a, a Benny Hinn or great preachers or whatever. It's about the body of Christ doing exactly what they're called to do. Amen. Let's pray and we'll get into all this and I'll see if we'll have more stuff before we get, get rolling here and I'll sing something on my Grace Hits album. Here we go. Father, we love you. Thank you for blessing everyone that came this morning. We're so grateful for this End Times Conference. We thank you for, for, for Rama Family Church. Thank you for Pastor Tony and Pastor Patsy, their family. Thank you for blessing them. We thank you for this season for this church, Lord, a season of ease, a season of increase a season of demonstration, a season of the glory of God. Father, a season where your heart can be made manifest in such a short period of time, that the articulation of the glory of God can be made known to a generation, that all would see how wonderful Jesus is. So Lord, today we thank you for dying for us. We thank you for overcoming death, hell, and the grave. We thank you for being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I ask you that every person in this room walk in the full measure of what you left us 2,000 years ago. We thank you for the power of the name of Jesus. We thank you for the power of the written word of God. We thank you for the tangible anointing. We thank you for gifts of the Spirit. Father, we, we, we want all the harvesting tools we can for the very end of this church age. We see the signs of the times now, so we respond accordingly. We thank you for it. Thank you for blessing everyone that came this morning. Jesus' wonderful name, and everybody said amen. amen. Turn there, if you would, to Luke, and uh, let's start there again, and then I want to get into dispensations for a little bit, and then we'll get into the rapture. Maybe we'll have some rapture practice. I don't know. Just kidding. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we used to do that as kids, you know. Praise the Lord. Uh, a little crazy. So go to Luke 21, and let's pick up where we left off. Last night, we got into uh, about 40 of the signs and just kind of hit them real fast. I'm not going to go through the signs today because I want to get into some more stuff, but look at Luke 21. And we'll start with verse 24 for just a moment. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Pretty amazing about Jerusalem. You know, I haven't even talked about all the different miracles. I, I, I remember one of the miracles that happened in those against all odd deal. The, the, the Syrian army was coming down against the Jews there in the Six-Day War in 1967. And uh, they had three or four bullets. Each, each of the Jewish soldiers go, I got three bullets. How many you got? You go, I got four bullets. And they said, well, it's been great working with you. I know we're about to die. No big deal. All of a sudden, the Syrian army stopped right where they were. And they looked up and they screamed, Father Abraham. I think they saw Jesus. They just don't know who they were looking at. I mean, they have this vision. They scream. They took off running. They interviewed the guy that, that was screaming, and, he, and it's pretty cool to see the actual guy in the Six-Day War. He said, you know what? It wasn't, it wasn't the guy standing up there. It wasn't Father Abraham that scared me so bad. It was all those angels with flaming swords. And he said, we knew we couldn't defeat them. I mean, miracle after miracle. I mean, divine intervention in the ordinary course of nature for Jerusalem to be won back. There was a, another story where the, the, the Israeli army was completely surrounded. There was a minefield on one side, and they looked at each other and said, well, it's been great serving with you. We know there's nowhere we can go. There's, you know, we're outnumbered 100 to 1. What do we do? Huge minefield was there, and they couldn't get through it. Uh, next thing, there's video of this. You can see this. All of a sudden, this huge wind comes through and exposes all the mines. They walked right down through the middle of the minefield. 
I mean, just like Old Testament. I mean, so, so you see the bumping over of these dispensations where God did some things in that six-day war because the times of the Gentiles are pretty much up. So you see Jerusalem being won back. Why do I say that? Because of the, the, it's, it's a very set time that Jesus will come. I know people don't like to say that, but it's just like a flawless watch, just like the heavens are set up. At the fullness of time, Jesus came the first time, and there is a time that he'll come back now. And we're all living in this, this pressure vacuum uh, of the earth going through preparations whether it be armies whether it be nations whether it be the church whether it be the Gentiles whatever it is everyone's under this umbrella of pressure coming right down to the very end because Jesus of Nazareth is about to be revealed as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and man we don't say that as much as we should we'll get into the rapture in a little bit but maybe tomorrow morning we'll get into him the second coming as magnified as King Think of the first time in humility. They spit upon him. They mocked him. Born in a manger. You can't get any more low-key than that. But this time, every creation will bow. Hallelujah. The creator. I like to say it this way. The boss is coming back. Amen. I like the verses in Revelation. He, he treads the winepress of the fiercest and the wrath of Almighty God. Who shall abide his coming? Joel saw it. He said, wake everybody up. Oh, come on. Every prophet that saw it, Isaiah, uh, Hosea, Malachi, every one of them, there was awe about God coming back to the planet. Woo, hallelujah. So I say this because Jerusalem's going through all these changes. Last week, things happened about the Temple Mount. The week before, things happened about the Temple Mount. The week before, things happened about the Temple Mount. You can't even go into all the detail about things that are happening over that little piece of real estate that point to God coming back to the planet. So it's an awakening thing for us. So that's why we're here on Monday morning. So skip down to verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. Likewise, in the same manner, uh, when you see these things come to pass, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Look how sweet the Lord is, how easy he made it. In other words, if you can tell when summer's coming because of the change you see in trees budding, you can tell I'm about to come back. And he said, when you see Israel bud, 1948, you can tell I'm about to come back. And then he gives you the kicker. We've said at each service, 32, verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. And then he said, heaven and earth will be altered, but my words will not be altered. In other words, you can't change this. If you're here for those two events, you're it. Because I hear people all the time go, well, you can't be sure about the coming of the Lord. Jesus just said right there, you could see this and you could know this. You could see this and you could know this. I say that because I have to go to extremes to push people. Because when we get into the rapture here in a little bit, it's very concise about we can know when the Lord's coming back. And that freaks people out. But truth will set us free. (laughs) Amen. There's no bondage to it. There's no weirdness to it. It's just liberation. The proclamation and the announcement of Gabriel to the shepherds in the field. He said, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill toward men. He didn't go, hey, I've got this little secret coming. No, it was as loud and as proclaiming as it could be for the first coming. He appeared to shepherds that were producing sheep for sacrifice. And God's so sweet. He goes, you know what, dude? You've been making all these sheep for all these sacrifices. I'm providing my own sacrifice. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. So we're watching these verses come to pass. Jerusalem won back, Israel made a nation. I remember years ago, uh, you may have heard of Harold the truck driver. You don't hear a lot of people preaching on Harold the truck driver. I know these guys. He was a crazy truck driver from the hills of Kentucky. This, I think, 1986 or 1987. He had all these visions about the coming of the Lord. 
And they were pretty, pretty graphic, pretty exact. He had this thought pattern that he had to go tell the prime minister of Israel about him. And he had the thought pattern to go over and he needed to film all this. Well, he's a hillbilly from, from the hills of Kentucky. So, so he goes over to the prime minister's office in 1986. He goes, and I could just see him walking in. I'm here, I'm here from Kentucky to tell you I, gotta, I know what all is going to happen right before the coming of the Lord. He goes, I'm here to see the prime minister of Israel. And they're like, man, get lost. I mean, that's exactly how he did it. And he's just a hillbilly. He goes, my sister from Louisiana talks like that. She said, the, the, the siren. I said, the siren? But anyway, <laughs> the siren's going off, Joe. <laughs> what? I have to have an interpreter for my sister. <laughs> it's kind of sad. But anyway, so this guy from, from Kentucky goes to the prime minister's office, doesn't go through any protocol. He goes, I'm here to tell the prime minister what's going to happen on the earth right before the coming of the Lord. And the guy's like, get lost. He stayed there 40 days. Every day showed up. Finally, they sent a low-level guy down to go, okay, you're so persistent. What in the world's going on? You, you come here every day messing with our guards. What is the deal? And, and Harold the truck driver goes, well, let me tell you the deal. He didn't even know. These are all in the book of Revelation. <laughs> He's having visions and don't even know it's in the Word. Bless his heart. So he goes through the whole scenario of the second coming, the whole scenario of the seven-year tribulation, the whole scenario of what will happen to Israel, the whole scenario of nations coming against Israel. I mean, detail after detail after detail. Guess who he was meeting with? Guess who the low-level guy he was meeting with was? Benjamin Netanyahu. So he met with the prime minister. He just met with him about 35 years early, or 30 years early. So he didn't just like Jesus to have a hillbilly from the mountains of Kentucky. I'm here to show you what's going to happen in the, on the earth right before the coming of the Lord. I mean, it's just, it just amazes me how cool God is. So anyway, all right, so, so let's get into some more stuff this morning. Let's go over and look at the book of Ezekiel for a minute. Now, before we get there, hang with me. Let's, let's get into dispensations for a little bit. We're living at the close of the church age, and, we, and if you get a hold of this, you can kind of comprehend uh, of the dealings of God in the earth, because if you don't understand this, things just don't make sense. If you understand that you're in the dispensation of the church age, and he's given the church all the authority, and then we're going to go back to seven years of Old Testament time where he'll have some authority, it makes sense what's going to happen in the next two sessions. So pull up, if you would, those, I think they've got them on the, on the board there, the dispensations, I love this. I have a laser pointer. I can mess with Pastor Tony. But anyway, um, let me get my sheet out and I'll pull it up. Now, now I want to say this real clear so we get this. Because remember Peter and John and all the disciples, they thought Jesus was going to set up his millennial kingdom. They thought the Messiah was coming back. Remember Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, a son is given. Remember that? For unto us a child is born, a son is given. Man, I don't know if I should have had you put up so quick. <laughs> Remember Isaiah said, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. So he goes from the birth of Jesus and skips all the way over uh, to, to him being the government being upon his shoulder. So when Jesus was operating in the earth, he told the disciples, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And there go, church, what's a church? They want a king. They want a kingdom. So when, when they came to get Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, uh, they came to get him, and Peter takes that knife out and cuts that guy's ear off. He wasn't trying to cut his ear off. He's trying to cut his head off. I mean, turn that off for just a minute. Nobody's listening to what I'm saying. <laughs> They're all mesmerized by Clarence Larkin. Isn't it sweet that Clarence Larkin uh, gave us permission to make copies of all that stuff for Bible school? So good. But remember, Peter cut the guy's ear off. He wasn't going for his ear. He was going for his head. Because Peter thought, right then, there he comes, he's going to be the Messiah. They didn't understand that gap called the church age two days. 
2,000 years of church age. I like to look at it, Clarence Larkin, don't put it back up yet, but Clarence Larkin had another graphic called the, the Mountain Peaks of Prophecy. The Old Testament prophets, they saw the second coming, saw some things about the first coming, but they all thought they were right then together. They saw Jesus coming and they saw a kingdom. Jesus coming and a kingdom. This church age was a complete mystery. The rapture is a complete mystery. That's why if you talk to your unsaved friends about the rapture, they think you're crazy. It's because it's not for them. I said, you're unsaved friends. So the church age is such a distinct time where God, he said, Jesus said, I am he that was dead. Behold, I'm alive forevermore. He said, I have the keys of death and hell. And he instantly said, here, you go, go in my place for me. He authorized the church. So the last 2,000 years, even though we say God is in control, he basically turned the earth over to Adam and Adam turned it over to the devil and God's technically not in control. The church is in control. Okay, so there's, I mean, I, I said it yesterday morning, one of the sessions, I can't remember, about Germany prospered after killing six million Jews. Because, see, we're in a dispensation of grace right now. In this dispensation, I know it makes people mad. God's not really mad at anybody. And, boy, if you listen to people preach, you think God's ready to kill everybody. He laid all that on Jesus. Now, see, I, you, we have to get this before we get into the rapture. Once you get into the dispensations, you see, he treats people differently in this season. Okay, hang with me. Boy, I might go crossways with a few things, but let me say a couple things. I hear people all the time say, God's judging America. God's judging Australia. They, they say it about Katrina, the hurricane that came to New Orleans. Well, if he was judging New Orleans, he didn't do a very good job because there's still people alive there. You, when God goes to judging, you can't find people around. Sodom and Gomorrah, <laughs> amen. Uh, I mean, that when, when God sends judgment, look at it in the Bible. They're toast. Now, some nations reap what they sow. Some nations may reap what they sow, but it's not necessarily the Lord. Okay, you know, it's just them being stupid. I mean, just like if I sow bad seeds, I'm going to reap bad seeds. It's not really the Lord's fault. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Find the right room. <laughs> Start the car. I'll be right there. <laughs> no, so I'm saying that because we want to get this straight as far as dispensation goes. So now put the, put the thing back up there and let's look at it for a minute. You guys are so sweet to put up with my craziness. I endeavor to be silly because uh, go back to the, to the, oh, yeah, there you are. Okay, look right there. The first dispensation, dispensation of innocence. This whole graphic is about the complete, every dispensation, God gives man an opportunity and man messes it up. Okay, the first dispensation, dispensation of innocence, how did it end? It ended in the fall. God gave Adam and Eve an opportunity, they messed it up. Next dispensation is the dispensation of conscience. Okay, everybody did what they thought was right in their own conscience, and it ended up in, in lawlessness, corruption, and violence, so that the flood had to, be, had to come. Now hang with me. We think of the flood as judgment. The flood had to come to keep a righteous line in the earth. So God had to do some things differently in the earth, so he brought the flood just so he could keep Jesus' ability to come into the earth through a righteous line. And then you go over to the dispensation of human government. This is pretty cool because uh, how did it end? Uh, it ended in the Tower of Babel. Man on their own said, you know what, we're going to make our own way to heaven, and no, we won't. I like it really cool right now that you're living when people are over there destroying where the Tower of Babel was this last year. ISIS was destroying all the artifacts where the Tower of Babel was. That's when we talked about the word the Assyrian. They were right where the Assyrians were. Why is that a big deal? Because the Bible says the Antichrist will be an Assyrian. 
And you see that word coming to the forefront even right now. So that's pretty cool. That dispensation was the, ended in failure with the Tower of Babel. The next dispensation ended, was the, the family dispensation. It ended in Egypt, ended in bondage. Every time God lets man see how he can do it on his own, and we have a tendency to mess it up every single time. But what's so cool is in this dispensation of grace, he's grading you and looking at you through corrective lenses. He sees you complete in him. Amen. He, he's not judging you, not critiquing you. You know, one time I had Jesus, Jesus appear to me. I remember one time in 1987, here Jesus appeared to me. Guess what he told me to preach? <laughs> he told me to preach on the end times. And I said, I don't want to preach on the end times. He goes, well, that's what you're supposed to do. I said, I, just, I don't want to do that. Because I equated end times with weirdness. You know, we equate end times with people with locust burgers and weird hair. and You know what I mean? Just strange. I mean, Jesus stands there in 1987. It says, this is what I want you to preach on. I said, Lord, I don't want to do that because I didn't want to be weird. Three years later, um, I'm in Michigan at uh, Tom and Judy Hicks's house, friends of mine's house up there in Hastings, Michigan. And I was praying in this middle bedroom and uh, <laughs> really cool office. Uh, you move out of the bedroom, you come into this office, and there's walnut walls, and there's a fireplace there. And I was just getting ready for service. I actually listened to Sandy Patty songs because she was singing about Jesus. I love songs about Jesus. So good, like the songs you picked today. So good. And I was sitting there just kind of getting ready for the service. I was praying in tongues, getting ready to go preach at another church there in, in Michigan. And I was thinking, man, all of a sudden the presence of God just came in. I just started crying. I thought, man, I'm not, you're just, I thought how good the Lord is. I thought, why, why are you so good to me? I look up, and there's Jesus right there, right in front of me. A white robe uh, and an olive green sash. He's leaned up against the, the desk in front of me there, had his hands behind his back like that, and he's just sitting there on his hands like that, just looked at me, and I'm bawling like, Aah! uncontrollable crying because of the goodness coming out of him. Now listen, you know, he, he was appearing to me because I hadn't preached what he wanted me to preach. <laughs> he could have said, hey, you're a loser. You haven't done what you're supposed to do. But he just sat there and looked at me, and, and his goodness led me to repentance. But this is what I want you to get. See, he wasn't critiquing me. He wasn't grading me. He wasn't judging me. See, the world's never seen that kind of look. In this dispensation, he's not grading people. Now, he may be frustrated because he wants us to do the best, but he's still not grading you. He's not like, well, see, you missed it. I'm your toast. He loves you. And I know there's a lot of weird preaching on that, and they can go to extremes. I like what Brother Hagin always said, stay in the middle of the road, don't get in the ditch. Amen. But in this dispensation, he's not frustrated with you. And he's going to show you how every single time in all the other dispensations, he dealt with people completely different. Once Jesus came, he deals with man completely different. Jesus is your advocate. He's your lawyer. The Lucifer's right there trying to accuse the brethren, and Jesus stands up and goes, oh, not today. I redeemed him. I purchased him. I made him whole. I made him just righteous. He's not just forgiven. He's justified. So, so it's a different dispensation. All these other dispensations, God had to deal with man on man's own merits. Now, I'm setting all this up so I can preach on the rapture so that we can show you that you can't be here during the tribulation. Because he deals with you so differently in this dispensation. So look over at this one. The next dispensation was the dispensation of the law. And how did it end? It ended in Calvary. God said, okay, I'll give you some laws. And the, the law was to point people to Jesus, showing that they couldn't fulfill the law and couldn't do everything perfect on their own. It's the most flawless, perfect system ever that Jesus would fulfill the law for us. Let me just say this. Man, i got to get out what I want to get out. And then we have, I'm so glad we got a couple hours for the rapture. But um, 
you know, in this dispensation, he's just not, not, not judging and grading people. I mean, he told you to judge yourself. So dealing with man, he deals so differently now than when in all the dispensations passed. So go back to this. Go back just a little bit. Okay, the dispensation of, of law ended in Calvary. And, no, I know what I was going to say. Look, thank you, Lord. Thanks for saying that. God never sends somebody to hell. He never sends them to hell. You know why people have to go to hell? Because if they weren't incarcerated in hell, if they could operate outside of their body like a god, they'd kill everybody. So God puts people in hell <laughs> to protect you. Think if Hitler could have operated outside of his body. If Hitler could have operated outside of his body like a god with a spirit of killing, stealing, destroying, he'd kill everybody. So Jesus had to redeem man to where he's flawless so he could even function with him, much less be able to enjoy his presence. Had to make him perfect, holy. Perfect, holy, perfect, holy. The law couldn't make people perfect. All the law did was show you, I ain't good enough for this. I can't fulfill this. So God dealt with them differently in that dispensation. And then you go over to the dispensation we're in right now. Here you have... Uh, the dispensation of grace. You have Calvary. Jesus fulfilled the law right there at Calvary. When he said it is finished, he said the law is finished. Redemption wasn't finished because he still hadn't gone into the heart of the earth. So he went into the heart of the earth and paid the penalty for Adam's sin. Then you look at Colossians. In Colossians, Paul was bold enough to go, he blotted out the handwriting and the ordinances that were contrary to us and he nailed them all to the cross. So your boldness and your thought pattern for getting ready to be caught up is not based on your works, not based on your perfection. It's based on Jesus is perfection because once you received him you're him you're a part of his body so there's a good good preaching there but I won't I won't go any further because I, I want to keep moving <laughs> so then the, the, this is the thing that really kind of freaks people out our dispensation technically ends in apostasy now that's basically happening right now even though we don't like to preach about that <laughs> like men would be lovers of themselves and the selfishness and, and, and the unruly go through all that we don't really have an end time conference and preach on all the negative parts of the last days we preach on all the positive parts of the last days but the environment that you're in is exactly what the Bible said it would be so it ends like that in, in apostasy even though we have revival we finish off the book of Acts just like it started the Bible says that in James that he's waiting for the precious fruit of the earth and then he talks about double talks about Job got double of what was lost so we have great things to look forward to finishing off in the midst of apostasy we get to have that so the next is at the end of that guess what comes back Jesus the rapture happens we're caught up and then you have the seven-year period of tribulation right there then all of a sudden the revelation the second coming of the king king of kings and lord of lords right there boom mount the mount of olives the bible says that the mount of olives is going to split in half and its area is going to go up in the air about 150 feet. And the waters will come by the throne there. The waters get near Jesus. And it goes by them and it quickens and heals all the water for the whole earth. Because there's so much life in him. Just getting near him, it fixes everything. But he's not near you, he's in you. Amen. So that's a different dispensation starting right there. We'll get into that, I believe, tomorrow. The millennial age right there. So the millennial age, it's a dispensation of, of, it's a dispensation of the king, righteousness. It's the messianic dispensation. You know, during that time, there'll be, there'll be sacrifices reinstituted, but it'll point back at Calvary, not to Calvary. That's kind of crazy that they'll still be killing animals. But there'll still be men with Adam's stain on them that will defile the temple. So they'll have to have sacrifices still to purify the surroundings where God will dwell. There's more, there's more verses about the millennial temple than almost anything in the Bible. God's house. 
He's very, art, he's very particular about his location. Now, see, you're a mobile throne right now. God likes mobile homes. <laughs> so you should read Ezekiel 40 through 46 and look at all the, the flawlessness and the detail about God's property. What it'll do is it'll buoy your faith and ne- you'll never allow sickness in your body. Amen. All right, here we go. And at the end of the millennium, we see where Satan's, we'll, we'll get into that tomorrow night, but Satan, or tomorrow afternoon or tomorrow morning, I can't remember when we'll do, do it, but Satan's released to kind of get all the rebels that rebel at the end of the millennial reign of Christ. And then we see the earth has the renovation of fire. And then the cool thing is, is, is God's going to move heaven down to earth. And the next dispensation called the Age of Ages, he's going to take the new Jerusalem and bring it down to the earth. He likes the earth so much, he's going to bring it down here. Now you think, well, well, surely we'll just go to heaven. No, he's bringing heaven down here. So we have all these different seasons where God uh, deals with people differently. And uh, if, you, if you see how the church age is such a, a specific time where, where uh, uh, he gave you authority, and so all of a sudden there's coming a season where we're going to be caught up, we're going to be raptured, so he has to take the church off the earth so he can do the seven-year period of the Old Testament because he deals with man completely different back then than he does right now so that's the purpose of catching the church away and Thessalonians gets into that saying hey don't worry the antichrist can't be revealed till you leave so 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 God's setting up right now at the very end of the church age to start dealing with man like he did in the old covenant and in the old covenant he dealt with man in a very outward way everything was visible everything was like fireworks and you're going to have seven years of those fireworks to get Israel to turn so God's so cool and so smart, he's got it all figured out. So I want to go look at a couple of things that are just about to happen so that we can see the difference between the church age and the, uh, uh, the, 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 the next part after that called the tribulation. Go over to Ezekiel. Is everybody with me so far? I know it's a little bit laborious to get into all the detail about it, but it just starts, once you get into the whole plan, it makes everything make sense. Okay, go to Ezekiel 38 for a second. I want to look at the, this, this war, World War III that will happen right after the rapture. Why do we get into this? Because this is, you see the nations coming together as a setup for this right now. Now, I, I want to go through a couple things about Russia before we have our break. Russia, uh, there's about 15 to 20 things they've done in the last two months that are completely provocative to provoke war. Um, they, they're, they're flying their airplanes in the Baltic Sea. They're flying their airplanes over the Alaska without their transponder zone. You only do that when you're at war. Okay, transponders are to be, send beacons out so you can tell other nations where your planes are. They're doing that to, 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 to provoke a confrontation. They've been buzzing our jets. They've been buzzing our spy planes. They've been, they, a submarine came up right off the coast of Los Angeles. A Russian submarine, the Russian captain came out and waved like that, kind of just kind of thumbing his nose up at America like, you know, we can just do whatever we want to do. And they didn't do that 20 years ago. Didn't do that 15 years ago. Didn't do that 10 years ago. Just in the last year and a half because of going into the Ukraine and going into Crimea, all of a sudden Putin has this thought pattern, I can do this. Now, our secret service said that Putin has that disease called Asperger's disease. It's a type of uh, autism. And see, uh, I mean, you've got the head of a nation that has more nuclear weapons than almost anybody in the world, and he's a little cuckoo, cuckoo, because, I mean, he has tanks and all this stuff in the Ukraine. He goes, no, we don't. So he's crazy. So 
So you're watching the setup for this war. So let's read a little bit about it. Get your Bibles there and go to Ezekiel chapter 38 and look at verse 1. And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, I'll let you find Ezekiel 38 or if it's up there on the wall. The word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now, it's interesting, when you look at these nations, they're all nations that are above Israel. All these nations are Russia and Turkey, and God specifically calls them out by name. And he says in verse 4, I will turn thee back, and I will put hooks in your jaws, and I'll bring thee forth, and thine army, and thy horses, and the horsemen, and all of them, clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with with uh, bucklers and shields and all of them handling swords. And he says, Persia, now Persia is Iran. Ethiopia, it really means Cush and Sudan there. And Libya with them. All of them with the shield and helmet. Gomer, which is Turkey. Some people say it's Germany, but really it's not, it's not that far uh, west. And all thy bands, uh, the house of Togomra, and the northern quarters, and all thy bands, and many people with them. Be thou prepared and prepare yourselves thou and all thy company that are assembled unto thee and thou and a guard unto thee after many days thou shalt be visited in the latter years so that's where we are right now okay now this is not Armageddon this is the war that happens right after we leave so watch what happens here verse 9 thou shalt ascend and come like a storm thou shalt be like a cloud to cover the land thou shalt and all thy bands and many people with them thus saith the Lord God it shall come to pass that the same time shall all these things come into thy mind thou shalt think an evil thought and thou shalt say I will go up to the land of unwalled villages I will go to them that are all at rest they'll dwell safely all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates to take a spoil that's the difference between the the psalms 83 war and the ezekiel 38 war they're coming to take in verse 12 they're coming to take a spoil and to take a prey turn thine hand upon the desolate places that are non-inhabited upon the people that are gathered out of the nations which have got this is israel which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land that's israel and it says, now this is where it kind of talks about all of us right here. It's pretty interesting how God skims over so many things that you really got to be paying attention to figure out what he's talking about. But in verse 13, Sheba and Dedan, that's Saudi Arabia, and the merchants of Tarshish, that's Spain and the different nations in Europe, the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions. They said the young lions are England and America and really part of Australia. The young lions, this is pretty cool. They shall say unto you, Are you come to take a spoil? Have you gathered your company to take a prey and to carry away silver and gold and take away cattle and goods? Look at what happens here. What's going to happen is all of a sudden, there's coming the greatest sign the earth has ever seen. You know how we like signs? We all crave demonstrations. All of a sudden, the church is going to depart, and you can't get a much bigger sign than that. Okay, and when the church departs, <laughs> the Bible says, I mean, you think about it. You talk about a platform to preach, God's going to raise up 144,000 Jewish evangelists. So right after that catastrophic event, something happens to Russia, and they say, hey, we're going to go ahead and go take Israel because of all the oil, because Russia is completely bankrupt. I was telling Pastor Tony, uh, Putin came to America a few years ago and visited uh, President Bush Sr. in Kennebunkport, Maine. I was preaching right up around there, and guess what they said? His secret service went to all the liquor stores and bought liquor with counterfeit $100 bills. 
So they're printing their own money because they have no money. Now let me just say this. Gosh, I got way too much to get into. The war that's happening right now in Syria, you know what the attrition is on all the Russian Air Force? 82%. 82% of their planes can't fly because they don't have the money to keep them up. I always said the reason why it's going to be easy for God to take out Russia is nothing works. <laughs> I preached there many times, and in the middle of the day, the power goes out. In the middle of the day, the water goes out, and they say, well, they're fixing the pipes. No, they don't have any money. Nothing works. It's the most dilapidated country there is because of godlessness. Mm. There's something about a country reverencing Jesus, a country having its, its thought pattern to honor God, and there's blessings upon it. So you see, this sign's going to happen, and all the chaos that's going to happen in the earth, I mean, obviously people will come up with ideas saying, well, the, you know, the, the bad people on the earth are being taken off the earth, but let me just tell you, the greatest harvest in the Bible happens after we're raptured. John saw a 200 million man army at the, the Battle of Armageddon, which if you can number 200 million men, but the, the, the harvest that happens right after the rapture is called innumerable. If you can count 200 million, but you can't count. So in the midst of Russia deciding to take over land, you've got, you've got people going, oh my God, I, the, those crazy Christians, their churches are all empty. So there's going to be a great wake-up call for the earth. In the midst of that wake-up call, you've got Russia going, man, we need cash, and there's all this chaos going on, and Russia happens to have S-300 missile defense system set up in Syria. It's got the most, the most technological cyber warfare set up on the mountains of Syria to the point that Israel's going, you're eavesdropping on everything we do, and, and no one's saying a word about it. The different nations are just keeping their, they're just going just like this because this is all the setup for this war right here. So what happens is the different nations of the earth, they don't, they don't go, hey, we're going to take you out. 20 years ago, Australia and America would have said, if you fight against Israel, we're going to come defend Israel. Now everybody's like, hey, everything's cool. America took that position two years ago. Not only took the position to not support Israel, but tried to basically prop up Iran to destroy Israel. I know that's crazy, but it's just true. So the position for Ezekiel 38 has happened in the last two years. Let me just kind of get a, I wish I had a bazooka or a trumpet or something. The position for this verse right here, you're living watching it all being set up right now. Right now in Syria, it's the craziest coalition ever. You got Russia <laughs> fighting the Syrian rebels <laughs> which are trying to fight ISIS. Russia put up a, 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 an air defense system that's unbelievably the most sophisticated in the world, and ISIS doesn't have any airplanes. <laughs> okay, they put up a, the most, the most uh, uh, elaborate air defense system in the world all over the nation of Syria to fight ISIS, and ISIS ain't got no airplanes. So... What I'm saying that is they have everything into position. So if something happens, Russia goes, well, we're already there. Let's go down and get, take some cash. Because there's chaos happening all over the earth because of the rapture that has just happened. Because, see, the tone changes. and why I'm, why, This is why I went through dispensations. Watch how the tone changes. Go down over to, to verse 16. You with me there? Still glad you came? Yeah. How many glad you're here not in surgery? Come on now. All right. Look at verse 16. That shall come to pass against my people Israel as a cloud to cover the land, it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring them against my land that the heathen may know me. Okay, in this dispensation, he told the church, Go preach the gospel, I'll confirm the word with signs following. The moment we leave, all of a sudden it starts going back to rat a tat tat with the baseball bat. 
Okay, God's so cool, Russia's going to try to come down on Israel, and God's going to show off for Israel. He's courting her, and he's going to defend her, and he said, I'm going to do this so that the heathen may know that I'm God. It's awesome. So look how differently, see, he didn't intervene during the Holocaust because he didn't have authority. He gave all the authority to the church. Okay? <laughs> but here... It, Russia comes down on Israel and God goes, oh, no, you don't. I got, I got Israel's back right here. And then you go a little further. Skip over to verse, no, there's so much. Skip over to verse uh, 23. It's just good. Verse 23, thus I will magnify myself, verse 23, and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Wow. They shall know that I am the Lord. So notice right now, I mean, it's, it's up to the church to make him known. All of a sudden, when we depart during that seven-year period, he goes, I'm going to do this on my own. See, he, in the old covenant, it's just like children's church. In children's church, we put pictures everywhere of everything so kids can get it. God's about to go back to a show-and-tell mentality for seven years. It's pretty cool. All right, go to chapter 39. Skip down to verse, look at verse uh, 6. He said in verse 6 of chapter 39, I will send fire on, on Magog and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles. And this is what we were talking about yesterday. That word carelessly is the word confidently. Now this is my, my let me give you Joe's conjecture on this because normally I won't give you conjecture. I'm going to guess on this one because normally guessing just gets you in trouble. What happens right after the rapture? You've got nuclear war and there's probably going to fire that's going to come on those that, that dwell in the isles. That's the word coastal cities like Los Angeles, New York, Miami, they'll probably get nuked from Russia. So, I mean, I mean, right now, that's just amazing how that happens. And the Bible says real specifically, so in verse 7, So will I make my holy name known in the midst of the people of Israel. I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore. And the heathen shall know that I'm the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. So look at the tone that changes right after the salt of the earth, the church departs. He's got an opportunity to kind of, kind of rat-a-tat-tat. Notice how many times it says, maybe four verses, the heathen, the heathen. He wants them to turn so bad that he's going to do different things and show off. I mean, we'll get into it tomorrow. We'll get into a little bit more about the tribulation. But I'm saying all this because you and I are living at the very edge of this dispensation, about to step over into the next dispensation. And every time you have that, we... I didn't talk about it very good earlier. You have a crossover. John the Baptist began to, 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 to baptize people for the remission of sins. They'd never done that before like that. That was completely new. All of a sudden, you're at the, the beginning of this crossover of the millennial reign of Christ. Now, listen very, very carefully. You, in that dispensation, people are tr translated. People are moving at will. That's why right here at the very end of the church age, you'll see things indicative of the next dispensation. It won't be weird. It won't be strange. It'll just be life everlasting. You'll see people, the glory of God will come on them, and it will seemingly be like all of a sudden that they were that were aged would almost look like they're young again it'll be a work of the holy ghost to show you how close you're bumping into the next dispensation there'll be people to be raised from the dead there'll be all these little things that'll be outbreakings of it no weirdness no fanfare it's just heaven functioning in the church getting the earth ready for the millennial reign of christ you are the previews for that next dispensation so during that seven-year period, God's just going to be showing off to get Israel to turn, the heathen to turn. But right now, before we leave, all of a sudden, you're the previews for the next thousand years. 
Can people look at the church and tell with the liberty of the glory of the, of the, of the visible king right there for a thousand years? Can they see what it's going to be like? So we got some, some, some pushing to do right here before we depart. So the whole earth is being set up for God to deal with Israel for seven years. And just before that, the church gets to do its bidding right before we depart. So we got a lot of stuff crammed into this little sliver of time. You know, if you're going to go to the movies, I don't know if how many of you saw Star Wars. Anybody see Star Wars? You know, uh, uh, I, was, I, I like Star Wars, but I wasn't really Star Wars freak. But man, when I saw the trailer, I was like, man, that's going to be good. And then I saw Han Solo in it, uh, that he was going to be in it more. I thought, that's going to be really good. And so the movie was actually good. But the previews were so good, they enticed me. Because I wasn't, I like, I, mean, I like Star Wars, but I, wasn't, I mean, we used to joke about it when it came out in 77. We laughed at the ad, like, that's, what is that? Do, 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 do. You're like, whatever. Ends up being the biggest, grossest movie ever in history. But the, star, the, the, the previews enticed me to go, you know what, I might ought to go see that. And then when I saw it, I was so blessed. You're the previews of the millennium. You're the walking billboard of the resurrection and the walking billboard of the next dispensation. And while you're alive, 2016, you're sitting here watching Russia today. Man, I wish I had a printout of everything they did in the last two weeks that are getting more armament. More armament and more armament and more armament into Syria. And then they let Hezbollah have some of it. The Hezbollah is that group on the northern part of Israel that wants to annihilate Israel. They have 100,000 rockets. They keep getting armament from Russia. And Netanyahu, Israel, said, you do one more shipment down to Hezbollah and we're going to fire on you. So there's all these little things that are just the things that happen right before a world war. <laughs> and you're watching the verbiage of it, the mechanics of it, the nations get ready for it because we're, we're about to depart. It should tell us, lift up your head because that war happens after we're gone so I mean you uh, I wish we could just just go into all the detail about Russia all the stuff every week I've tried to get little bits and pieces of it and it's remarkable okay now if if Lucifer can push a man into position to get armament into Syria and get all that stuff ready on the guises of fighting ISIS how much more can heaven push you and I right here before we're caught up I say that so live with the mentality of we're about to be caught up. Now we're going we're gonna to take our break. It's 1030. We're going to take our break and we'll come back in and get into the, the, the rapture. I believe we'll have two sessions on the rapture. That's some rapture practice. Just kidding. No. We'll, we'll have a good time. Thanks for listening. We hope you were blessed and encouraged by this teaching and are freshly excited about our Savior's imminent return and how we should be living in anticipation of this blessed hope. For more information on Rama Family Church or to partner with us in producing more resources like this, please visit rama.org.au.